welcome back to These Amazing Places podcast. This is show number 113 for the week of June 21st, 2010. Welcome back again for another show. This is Adam. Here's Doug. Hey, everybody. Uh, Since we are coming up, not immediately, but coming up on the uh, July 4th holiday, we are actually going to set up here a couple shows from uh, my D.C. trip, my latest trip. And uh, the first of those is going to be uh, this show. And this show will be on Mount Vernon, which was George Washington's home. So that is what we'll be covering. Uh, We'll have a little bit of audio from the tour that they do inside of the home. Uh, We're going to do a lot of discussing and stuff like that about uh, uh, the grounds, the house, George Washington, who he was, his life, his death, things like that. And we'll also have pictures up on Flickr and maybe some video, too. Maybe some video. All right. Thanks. We'll be back in a second. Have you seen our latest pictures at Flickr? Well, you can. Just go to our website, click on the Photos tab, and it'll take you from there. Or you can go to flickr.com slash photos slash these amazing places. Okay, Doug, so we uh, talked off mic, and we're just going to start with what we're going to call Frequently Asked Questions. We've done this on other shows. We haven't called it that, but it's basically the basics of what it's going to take to visit Mount Vernon. You can apply this to all our shows when in referring to attractions or rides in Disney, Universal, even Columbus Zoo, or other places that we've covered. So let's start right off the bat. The first question for you is, is this free to go to, or is this cost to go to, or what's the deal with going to Mount Vernon. This is free. Okay. It's free. How's transportation getting there? Is it close to a lot of places you need to drive out of town? Uh, Yeah, it is somewhat out of town. Okay. Uh, So, you know, if you're on a tour group, which I happen to be at the time, uh, then... Then you know, of course, there's tons of buses dropping people off all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure probably uh, there may be tour- tours that meet at hotels, and you can hop on a bus from there. You can also drive your car. There's plenty of parking there, and I saw a lot of people doing that. So you could do that. Okay. Uh, so the basic thing is, if you're flying in, you're probably going to need to get on a bus or rent a car in order to get yep. to Mount Vernon. Yeah. Okay. Cool stuff. How about, uh, just because it's on my list, gift shops. Are there any places to buy some souvenirs or area? There are actually, yeah. The gift shops in there are kind of split up in two. Uh, some of them cover a lot of just Washington, D.C.-themed things. And then there's a whole gift shop that covers stuff that's just George Washington, Mount Vernon, stuff like that. They're great. Really nice gift shops. They're big. Um, there's so many items in there. Even I was able to find stuff that I thought was worth buying and I'm not a gift shop kind of person. So, okay. Yeah, it's really, really nice gift shops. Cool. Okay, along those lines, what are we going to do about food as far as dinner, lunch, and what stuff? Is there any any place around there, or is it more just snacks? Yeah, you stuff? know, I think it was more snacks. Now, you know, I could be off here a little bit, uh, but I believe that there's no restaurant. Now, there might be. I could be wrong, but I know that there was a little snack place as you're coming back off the tour, off the ground store. And you're going to go into a building that has like an educational museum in it, which is really awesome. That's what I'm hoping. I think I have some video up. I'm just not sure how long it is. Okay. Um, anyway. Is that another show in itself maybe even? Nah. No. No, okay. there's not enough in there. It's okay. a quick walkthrough, but there's some really neat stuff in there. Okay. And I know in one of the videos uh, that I'll show you one really cool thing they did, they did with computers and some studies that were done on Washington and how they kind of took his face from young to old because there are real, really no real photos okay. of him. They were all painted, so they were impressionistic. 
So this is in the education place. It's not right, in well, Mount Vernon. It's all hooked together. Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's not hooked to the house. I see what you're this saying. This whole building with the snacks, with the gift shops, with the educational museum, with stuff like that is all hooked together. It's all right all there. One large building. Okay. So I would say if we're going to talk about food just for a short bit, maybe do some searches. Maybe we'll do a little more information around. So you might want to just plan on planning for some food before you hit this place. Yeah. Because we will talk about this later. You could potentially spend a good amount of time at this place that might end yeah. up running into a meal time at one time or another. Okay. Other than that, uh, that's pretty much, unless you can think of anything else from a frequently asked questions we've covered before. You know what, let's just, just cover this right off the bat, even though we'll probably cover it a little more later on the show. But I do want people to know this up front. There's a lot of walking. Okay. On this tour. Now, mm -hmm. if you stay on the upper grounds and you're just going through the house and into the uh, museum and the gift shop, it's not going to take you a long time maybe to do that. Um, if you're having trouble with steps, of course, there's a whole upstairs portion of this, mm -hmm. which means our audio segment will be good for you because you'll be able to hear it ahead of time right. and what's discussed up there because you'll have to go up those steps or you don't. You can stay down and move through the remainder of the tour after everybody else comes down. Uh, now, if you want to see all the grounds, it's a lot of walking. You go down a very large hill, and of course, when you get down the hill, they actually have a tram service that you can grab sometimes to take you back up the hill. Mm -hmm. um, you can use that, or you can try to walk back up the hill. There is a walking path. It takes about 10 minutes, they say, to get back up, but it's steps, and it's a rough path, too, to where you're stepping on uh, dirt ground and up okay. over tree roots and stuff like that. So All just right. keep that in mind. Okay, so wheelchairs are probably, if you're by yourself, it's not going to work so well. Mm -hmm. If you're in a motorized little wheelchair, maybe, uh, or is it too rough yeah, you, for that? If you went back down the path that you come down originally, then that it could take you 20-some minutes, though. But, yeah, if you went back up that path, okay, then you could do it. Okay, something I was thinking, you're talking about being outside. Again, this is, you can't do this in the winter because right. you're going to be outside. It's going to be freezing Plus cold. Plus, you slide down so. the path. Yeah. <laughs> it's honestly, it's that steep. Okay. So, so it's pretty steep. Yeah. Uh, you probably have no clue. Was the inside of the Mount Vernon actual place, was it heated or air conditioned at all? Uh, let me think here. Was it air conditioned? I believe it was air conditioned. Okay. Yeah. So it should be comfortable no matter what time of year you visit. Yeah. But... You just have to keep in mind the outside stuff is yeah, probably going to be harder. I remember now seeing air conditioners on the outside and thinking, holy cow, what would Washington have thought of this? Yeah. Because so. you got to figure the place wasn't plumbed or had electricity in, right. at the beginning, you know, yep. back in the 1700s when it was built. So, okay, so that pretty much covers that. And if you think of more things, we'll insert as we move on. Yeah. But that gives you basics. One of the things I wanted to do is I found an article that's basically put together by somebody we know. It's a little old, but at least gives you a feel for Mount Vernon and the basics of Mount Vernon. And then after that, we'll go over to Doug. He's got a lot of notes about George Washington, his biography, and different things like that. So, first thing I'm reading here is... A visit to Mount Vernon provides a unique glimpse into 18th century plantation life. Washington's original estate contained five independent farms on which over 300 slaves toiled. It was Washington's custom when in residence to ride daily about these farms, directing operations and planning for the future. Uh, and also we'll talk about George Washington's will, what happened with those a little later, and I think it's in the audio. Um, but you'll see the mansion surrounding grounds, a New World version of an English country gentleman's estate, and at the Bowling Green entrance, it still contains some of the original trees planted by Washington, which is kind of cool. Um, there's no formal tour of Mount Vernon, but attendants stationed throughout the house and the grounds provide expl explanatory commentary. And so basically that is uh, 
I think we have... That's part of the upstairs is what you're going to hear. A okay. little bit of the downstairs and then the upstairs tools. So basically, there's nobody that's going to walk around and do this. You just, you guys just happen to have this because well, actually, what? No, there are, there are women that are so waiting there really in there. So really are. Yeah. Okay. And so now, and maybe by that explanation, they're not there all the time because okay. they are volunteers. And so maybe they're telling you not to expect it. But so probably... Yeah. There were regular tours going through when I was just in the house. Mm -hmm. And then they took you out and just a short piece across a little bit of the grounds, and then they were done. Took you to the kitchen area, basically, and okay. then, then they were done. Okay, so probably what this is saying is during the off-season, you're on your own. Could be. Probably, and the fact that... And you guys were also in a school group, so you kind of had the fortune of being... Well, that's what I'm thinking. Knowing ahead of time. tour guides in there, probably during uh, during that month or so when mm -hmm. school groups are coming through, because otherwise school groups, I mean, that would be a nightmare. They could tear the place to pieces. Mm -hmm. So you keep them moving. You keep them in an orderly manner. Okay. The only other thing I want to say in regard to this diagram, it talks. this talks a little bit more about the architecture. We'll touch on that in a bit. Uh, but the other, other fact is... Um, it. I'll just read here. You'll want to have plenty of time to tour the ground, see the wharf, see the slave burial ground, the tomb containing George and Martha Washington's sarcophagi, lawns, gardens, and greenhouse. Allow at least two hours for the entire house grounds tour. Yeah, at least. And, so, <laughs> and, and Doug emphasizes at least. So there it goes right there. It tells you if you really want to get in-depth feel of Mount Vernon and you have the time and you're not busy doing other things, Definitely spend at least two hours. Yeah, because I know uh, people that spend an hour in the gift shop. Oh, well, I guess that could be a large Between part of the, the gift hour. shop and a little bit of stuff just within that one building. So, so. so you're saying at least three hours then? Yeah, you absolutely, yeah, you could spend three to so, four hours okay. in this place. And I don't know, I mean, if you're going to go there, it's, get what you can out of it. There's a lot of grounds, so if you do the walks of the grounds. Uh, anyway, we'll go into that a little more. What I want to first do here is just give you guys some... Uh, I like to kind of give a background on the person, and so then they really be kind of become a person instead of just the general stories you're hearing about them when you're sitting in history class. And so uh, some of this comes from uh, stuff that I've read. Some of it comes from stuff that I heard from our tour guide within the grounds, and some of it comes from the tour guide that we actually had on the bus. So anyway, I'm just going to first tell you, if you want to know much more about George Washington outside of uh, what you're going to hear on the show, there's a really, really good book called The Real George Washington. There's a whole series that goes through all of the founding fathers, the real Thomas Jefferson, the mm. real. So it goes through each one of them. You can pick those up. They're really, really good books. Anyway, um, so let me just jump through a few things here. George Washington was known as the indispensable man. Of course, the reason why is because it seemed like whatever situation they put Washington into, he was able to rise to the occasion. And so, anyway, uh, as everybody knows, or maybe you don't know, he uh, was a general in the Revolutionary War. And what that meant was he was basically fighting against the British, which was a well-put-together oiled machine. I mean, they were a machine. And he put together farmers and militia and beat them. So mm -hmm. just the fact that he, he was able to do that was incredible. Um, when Washington went back home after the Revolutionary War uh, and after his presidency, he said that uh, the reason why a lot of people loved him and they, of course, we were still within that idea of having kings and queens and all that because many people had come from Europe. Yeah. And so that was the lifestyle that they lived under and that was the lifestyle that he along with many others were trying to break us up. 
so people started saying, hey, will you be our king? And he immediately said, no, it's time to turn the reins over to somebody else, the presidency. This is how things are supposed to run. And he said that he uh, didn't believe in just the country. He believed in the people that made up the country. And so he knew that they would do the right thing when given uh, the power. Uh, anyway, later he was asked to serve again in the Constitutional Congress. And to that he replied, have I not given enough for my country? Because uh, he, during all of this, uh, when chosen you know, to be a general, when chosen people wanted him to run for the presidency and be the country's first president, all of this stuff, this is unusual from today, when you see people spending hundreds of millions of dollars to campaign, this man did not want any of it. Mm -hmm. He just wanted to stay on his farm uh, and, and farm and spend time with his wife and in his home and on his grounds. Mm -hmm. He really enjoyed that. He was also a fantastic farmer. He was a trendsetter in agriculture. Uh, some of the equipment and stuff that we use today even came from ideas of his. Okay. So it's just powered now where it wasn't at the time. If you don't mind, I want to insert a comment. It's funny. You say that he has those, those thoughts and those visions for our future. I believe he was also the one that I'm almost for sure he said this, that he's the one that suggested that as far as politics was concerned, to have two parties fighting against each other was a bad idea. And he suggested that it, no parties exist. And of right. course, that's not the case that's today. Not I'm not trying to go into politics, but at the same time, I'm thinking that's probably a pretty good idea that yeah. it might even, well, at the same, I don't know, we're not going to go into we it. We can but anyway. deep into it. I mean, what happened mm -hmm. through Jefferson, so, uh, through a lot of the writings and stuff uh, and how things kind of came to be. But I also wanted to make note of the time frame here. Do you have any dates on those? Because I have some here. I no, I didn't. Say. So, yeah, if you okay. want to fill those in. In, uh, in 1787, he was basically, uh, he, he basically retired, I believe. It was after the war. He had retired and he said, okay, I'm done. Well, it so happened that in 1789 was when he first became the uh, president of the United yeah. States. Yeah. So basically, he was called out of retirement to become the first president of the United States. He then, after that, served two terms. So it was an eight-year term, and it wasn't until 1797, two years before his death, that Washington was finally able to devote himself fully to the tranquil enjoyments of Mount Vernon. Isn't that incredible? So, yeah. Two years, and mm -hmm. that's, you know, to the, and I'll throw this in there. They said that during the Revolutionary War, he rode on a white horse. Yeah. And people, I mean, they said that the guy was like, some people believed he was some kind of god. Mm -hmm. They Because he, he rode on a white horse, which is like putting a spotlight on you out on the battlefield. And it seemed as though nothing could kill him. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know. Anyway, that's just, I thought that was kind of a cool story. Um, anyway, after, uh, let's see, this was after the Revolutionary War, many of our soldiers were not paid. That's what they were told by Congress, that they were not going to be paid. Many of them put together a group and said that they were going to kill the congressional members hmm. uh, because of what they had done to them. They weren't fed, they weren't clothed, and now, during the war, and now they weren't even going to pay them. And uh, um, Washington found out about this and went into a secret meeting that these men were having. He stepped into it and said that he was going to read a letter to them during that meeting. And so the story is, is he put on glasses to read the letter. And you got to understand, these people saw him as an impenetrable, an impenetrable source, as immortal, mm -hmm. almost. But when he put the glasses on, their mouths just fell open and they looked like. And he, his statement to them at that point was, I'm sorry, I have grown old and gray in the service of my country. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that's the way he felt. After so many years of not wanting to do this, but always stepping up and giving everything he had, um, uh, and now here he is. He's an old man. Mm -hmm. 
and they're still asking and he's still having to step up and, and you know and, and try to protect the country and this whole pedestal they put him on as being this god sort yeah. of they finally sound found flaws in him that said yep. hey you know what wow he's using glasses he is human after all so okay anyway so they said our forefathers described him as uh, first in war first in peace first in the hearts of his country and that was said at his death by a man named Henry Lee. I could have gone into more but about who Henry was, but this isn't really about Henry Lee. But anyway, at his death, at his bedside, that's what, that's what they had said about him. Um, anyway, uh, at this point, let's see here. There's other information we can go into. Uh, is now a good just, time to go into the yeah let's head into the tour okay so do you want to make do you want to talk about the description or do you think the audio is going to cover a lot um, of now let's go let's just head into the tour itself so for the can, audio yeah. and play the audio okay well, uh, now I'll get you up to the point where the audio is going to be okay. so I just want to describe a few things that you're going to see okay. as you head in yeah um, as you head in you're going to notice there's really tall ceilings in the house which I thought was kind of interesting because it's hard to hold heat. Mm-hmm. In our house, it has, uh, I think it was 13-foot ceilings. This one um, says that it's got an 18-foot plaster 18, ceiling okay. with an arch- architectural motif. Yep. So, And it was ornate in many places and not so much in others. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you could tell how that was differently set up. Uh, as you walk through there, too, uh, the paint, which didn't seem like anything unnatural to me, but it's colored paint. And my wife said that she had heard this on another tour. He had actually ordered that paint from uh, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, because they had colored paint over there at that time. Probably when it came to artistry and stuff, they were, of course, more diverse than we were at that time, yeah. culturally established. And so he ordered that and had it brought over because he wanted he didn't just want white walls. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, you'll notice that the house is painted. I'm guessing it was full of lead, too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> lead oh, paint you know was today. Yeah, before I forget, on the outside so. of the house, Oh, the outside of the house looks like it's stone, but actually what it was, this was this was his idea. Uh, to add strength and stuff to the house. Um, the house is built out of wood, but then he had them mix a base. I guess it would be somewhat like stucco, but mm-hmm. it was mixed with uh, heavy amounts of sand into a paint and painted, brushed onto the house, which gives it like a stone look, but also added strength it added durability because, of course, wood rots after a short amount of time. And so he eliminated all those problems by doing that on the outside of the home. The, according to this that I'm reading here, it was constructed of beveled pine, painted to look like stone. It, so, and it does, yeah. even to this day. It uh-huh. still looks, That's looks cool. just like it was stone. I'm sure they have to, obviously, it's, it's not the original, but yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you got to take the lead out of that. Too, yeah. Anyway, uh, let's see here. Well, you know what? I think that'll take you up to the point where some of this audio can start. Okay. And so let's just go ahead. You'll probably play some clips. This is going to be edited together uh, because some of it starts downstairs. You'll hear the tour guide describe a few things of downstairs. Then she takes us upstairs. You'll hear her talk about the upstairs. And then she brings us back downstairs, I think, for a little more. Uh, the audio can kind of get, I think, go. it's pretty good upstairs. kind of goes in and out sometimes. At some other points, you'll still be able to hear it, especially with headphones. Uh, the upstairs and downs. I mean, the downstairs portions. Um but it's hard to stay near the guide sometimes when you have so many people around you. Mm-hmm. So let's play that now. Okay. Um, the first room you come to here is a guest bedroom, one of ten bedrooms in the house, one of nine guest bedrooms. And the last room, that green room over there, is the family dining room, and that's where all the meals would have been taken. On the 
unless it was a large group, then they go over to the Oh, And the key on the wall is the key to the Bastille, French prison, stormed during the French Revolution. The Marquis de Lafayette uh, retrieves that key, sends it to George Washington with a note saying this is a symbol of liberty to the father of all liberty. Yeah. Uh, air conditioning. Find a nail mark. I haven't found one yet. Some rooms are A parlor? Um, wow. This is where the Washington's entertainment guests are with the instruments here, both parlors, and the instrument is on the harp. Uh, welcome to those just coming up. This is the upper hall. Five guest bedrooms on this floor. There was one down below and three more above us through that door. That's nine in all. Uh, so there's a lot of guests coming to the mansion every year. Um, Travel was difficult in the 18th century, so when people came, they uh, tended to stay a long time. The Washingtons never asked how uh, long you were going to stay, they never charged for your room. That was Virginia hospitality in the 18th century. Uh, who would have done the job of taking care of all the guests? They would have been these slaves. There, there were 12 in the house at one time. Uh, two uh, chambermaids, Molly and Caroline, would have done the job of bringing your firewood water, cleaning your room. Uh, in this room is a low-post bed. There were nine of those to be used when all the rooms were occupied. Okay, so I decided I wanted to add a little bit because the audio didn't quite cover all the areas that I think would be helpful when you tour Mount Vernon. So I'm just going to read a little bit here from some information from a friend of mine. The house itself, an outstanding example of Georgian architecture constructed of beveled pine painted to look like stone. You'll enter by way of the large dining room, which contains the original chairs, Heppelwhite mahogany sideboards, and paintings. The 18-foot plaster ceiling has an architectural motif. Before proceeding to the other rooms, step outside and enjoy the view that prompted Washington to, to declare, no estate in United America is more pleasantly situated than this. In the passage, or central hall, hangs a key to the Bastille, which you heard on the audio. Uh, four adjoining rooms can be seen from the passage. The little parlor contains the English harpsichord of Martha Washington's granddaughter, Nellie Custis. In the west parlor, you'll see a portrait of Martha at 25 and her china tea set laid out on the table. In the small dining room, a sweet meat course set up on the original mahogany dining table, nuts, raisins, candied fruits, and port and Madeira wines is based on a description of an actual Mount Vernon dinner in 1799. The fourth room on view from the passage is the downstairs bedroom, used to accommodate the many overnight guests Washington mentions his, in his diary. And then upstairs are several rooms, which you heard talking about in the audio. Uh, and then we'll talk about the kitchen. The kitchen is a separate building. It's one of several outbuildings or dependencies on view. The others including the servants' quarters, slave quarters with squirrels strung up dinner, a storeroom, paint cellar smokehouse, wash house, couch houses, overseer's quarters, and stables. A museum on the property contains many interesting exhibits. A howden bust of Washington, swords, military sashes, books, and family documents, Martha's needlework, satin wedding clippers, china sets, ivory fan, and bathing dress of blue and gray housespun. Also Revolutionary War and other memorabilia. Details of the restoration of Mount Vernon are explained in the museum annex. Now back to the regular show. Okay, so hopefully all that made sense to you. We uh, obviously 
When you're on tour and you got a bunch of kids on you, it's a little hard to get all the audio right away. It was madness. Yeah. And so our point is when we go on these trips, we enjoy them and we're there for purposes, but we try to also bring audio and let you guys know about them too. So there's a couple things to talk about. Doug's got a list here more to finish off just to talk about some different things that we're not on this audio tour from okay. the out, from yeah. basically outside. So Okay. Well, this is going to be just a little bit more about Washington since in some of this you I'm not going to give because you're going to hear it. You already heard it in the audio. Uh, anyway, Washington died of Quincy, uh, which is now known as basically strep throat. Uh, he did die at home in bed after being sick. One of the rooms, days. I believe, in the... Yeah, it is the room yeah, that they showed Mount us. Vernon. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I think that they said in there, Martha did not sleep in that room again after mm. his death. She moved upstairs, not. and they said that in the audio. Anyway, so uh, what you'll see, though, when you're on the grounds is... Uh, uh, two burial vaults, and you wonder why. And I don't. There's no guide out there, so if you don't hear it ahead of time, you'll wonder why. And first burial vault was one that he built before he died, but he didn't die then for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when he did, My that guess. vault was already in pretty bad shape. It was oh, weathered okay. and stuff at that point. And so they had begun building a bigger vault, a new vault for him and Martha. And he ended up having there were 13 of them in this thing, okay. but it wasn't done for 30 years. After uh, he died, and so they, mm-hmm. they finished that, and then so then they moved his remains and Martha's remains and stuff over to the new vault. So you'll see the old vault on the tour. You'll see the new vault. Oh, on so the, the tour. original one he built for himself, he actually was buried in at first. So. Yeah. I and mean, I'm curious if he did it during that retirement period before he became president. It could be. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know, but that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, at the burial vault, and this is something I did not know, and so I want everybody else to know it before you go there. Uh, during the months of from April to October at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. each day, they uh, lay a wreath, and I'll tell you who they are in a little bit. It's the people that actually, the organization actually owns Mount Vernon, so we'll go into that. Anyway, at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. each day, they lay a wreath at the, uh, and a ceremony at the uh, burial vault. And they are, they are called the ladies, uh, what is it? The Mount Vernon Association, I'm sorry, yeah. the Mount Vernon Ladies Association, which is a nonprofit organization chartered by Commonwealth of Virginia and charged, and they are charged the pres- preservation and restoration of George Washington's former home. Okay, so. so we'll just jump from there. In 1858, this organization, there was actually a woman that headed up this organization. She was wealthy. I do not remember her name. I want to say it was like Valerie or something. Anyway, she realized she saw it from the Potomac, and she said, whose home is that? And somebody told her, well, that was George Washington's home, and it was falling into disarray. And she realized, well, nobody is taking care of it at this point. In 1858, an organization that she headed up purchased a house for $200,000 from John Augustine, who was the great-grandson of George Washington's brother. And so then they actually took it over and began running it. uh, Let's see. Took it over February 22nd of 1860, and they've run it ever since. Ever since. That organization. Mm -hmm. I noticed when I was on the tour, I thought, wow, this place is actually... For a government-run organization, I thought it's really well put together. Things are up to date. It's technological. It's clean. And then I found out it was not government-run. And yeah. so that made sense to me at that point. But in fact, I don't want to jump on whatever government-run or whatever. 
it's it's a lady with a passion yeah. that started the association. And of course, they're nonprofits, so they get donors and stuff to pay for things. And of course, this is great history. And so I'm glad someone was passionate enough to take that over. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this. And they this. do a good job. It's amazing because some of the grounds, uh, some of the orchards and stuff are still run. You'll still you see people out there wow. actually running and working in the orchards and mowing the grass. And when you get down, I'm going to take you like down this. You go down the hill from the uh, grounds the main grounds and there's a boat dock down there you can take a boat for i think it's 12 dollars a trip it'll take you out on the potomac they take you to a lot of locations mm -hmm. i did not go on the boat but i think there's even a dinner tour that you can do on that if you wish hmm. for probably more money anyway you come back off there and if you walk up into it's basically around the bottom of the hill you actually see people that are dressed as plantation workers oh. and stuff and uh and so they're kind of playing the part uh there's an outdoor theater thing that goes on down there mm -hmm. uh, none of that was going on when i was there about the potomac uh, that's one of the places that they actually during george washington's time that's how they got there yeah through the potomac you know transportation one of the main methods of transportation was of course horse and carriage but by boat and so that's cool that you can still do that today and so. since i have bringed up bringed up brought up the the opportunity uh, the fact that it was a plantation and he did have slaves in case someone has not heard, I don't think we've said it yet, at his death, he his will actually gave freedom to his slaves. So I left that out okay. for you to say that. But right. and the so, fact, mm -hmm. yeah, I was just going to say. Which was something, even at that mm -hmm. time, I mean, it just wasn't, of course, I wasn't heard of. Right. Well, this so. is prior to, of course, the Civil War and Abraham yeah. Lincoln and this whole slave movement and everything. So that was pretty amazing. And it also divided up the land. So apparently he owned, what was it, 300? No, he owned 300 slaves, but five independent farms. And so his will, when it, he, of course, died, it was uh, divided that land up to give to people. So oh, the, okay. the area that you're going to see, doesn't, it wasn't owned by those people. Right. Well, at least I don't think anymore. But No, I think it's all owned now. Yeah, buddy. By other individuals. Yeah. So anyway. Okay. You Is know that what? it? That you is got it. it all? That's okay. it. It was actually a very informative tour. We kind of gave more here than what you're going to hear on the tour just because I think it really helps when you go through there to kind of give some meat to who this guy was. Mm -hmm. And actually, he wasn't just a president. He wasn't just a military guy. He was a guy who was well-rounded. He did a lot of other things, was interested in a lot of other things. And this was not being the president and being a general and all this was not the be-all, end-all of his life. Mm -hmm. And so I think that Mount Vernon shows that, and it helps if you have some of that information yeah. ahead of time. It's, it's one of those things where if you have history going into it, it gives you a richer uh, appreciation for what you're going to actually see. Yep. So that's cool. All right, we'll take a break and be back in a second. Hey, why don't you drop us a line at podcast at theseamazingplaces.com. Okay, everyone, hope you enjoyed that. And really, I, what I'd love for someone, if they ever did this, take our shows along with you when you're at the locations or maybe you're traveling on the way to these. Listen to the show and see if that gives you a richer appreciation for actually visiting Mount Vernon, especially yeah. on this or past show. Or if you know, show. you know what, even if you're going with a school group, everybody, hey, listen, there's hundreds of thousands of kids there. Somebody who's listening to us has to be going with a school group next year. Yeah. And so write mm -hmm. some of this stuff down and see if actually if you can lend to some of the information that maybe 
the tour guide doesn't even come up with. Well, I'm sure they may know it or they may not, but they just don't say it yeah, every single time. Just not enough time sometimes. Mm-hmm. And questions, like that, so. often I've found when I've been on tours like that, if you bring up questions, it helps to stimulate that person to actually say more about yep. it. That they may not, you know, oh, well, I've not taught a group in a while this and they go, go off on a tangent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When yeah. you show that you care, it's really more interesting. You get a deeper appreciation of right. the whole experience, especially in something like this where it's free. It's like, hey, we got all the time in the world to basically spend all the time here. We might as well get all the stuff out of it. And so, Okay, so as we said before, we're going to put up some pictures up on Flickr. Uh, as always, we usually have something out there. We've got a Washington, D.C. set, so it's got t- so, many, so, many, so many pictures. Okay. And maybe some video, depending on what Doug can find I there. I know that for sure I have one piece from the museum, okay. which is something really interesting, and we'll just take it from there. Okay. I don't want to promise anything that... Because I'm lousy at taking video. It's, <laughs> it's also hard because I well, was with yeah. a group and you're always moving. And so. We said that before. With this high definition mm-hmm. camera, I could get by with it when we had just the kind of the analog base. Yeah, yeah. But with this, man, it shows every little scratching movement that you make <laughs> and it looks horrible. So, yeah. anyway. Okay, well, hey, thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear from you if you have any comments. And don't forget, if you're looking for a place to book a vacation or you are more interested in getting a package deal for Washington, D.C., Pam at Thompson Travel can hook you up and get you set there. We have it. Uh, All that information is available on our Book It page. If you go to theseamazingplaces.com, click on Book It. Or you can call 1-800-522-3073 and talk to Pam. She'll get you hooked up. So other than that... Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you. We've we've checked out occasionally our stats to see what's going on, and there's a lot of people Man, on iTunes listening to it's us just tonight. amazing. The Thankful. places, too, all around the world. Yeah. And you know the latest one I saw just pop up on there was Tel Aviv, oh, Israel. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I don't know. I'm blown away when I see something mm-hmm. like that. So Thanks so much, everybody, for listening. We sure appreciate you. Uh, next week we have more plans, and we do have some Disney plans in the future if you are a Disney fan. So yeah, so don't stay yeah, yeah, we have not run out. not. It yeah. will. Yeah, Disney will be back. Okay, thanks. Have a good week. Bye. I like to travel. I like to drive. I like the music all night. Show me a good time. Show me some fun. Show me the podcast right on. This podcast has been brought to you by theseamazingplaces.com. Copyright 2010. Thanks for listening. What's some of the basics? So, first off, does it cost any money? No, oh, your mic's not working. <laughs> Already? Yeah. Okay, is it working yeah, now? Yeah, no, it is. Oh, man, this is going to be a long uh, show. Okay, well, it's... Uh, <laughs> okay, crud. Uh, it's a good outtake, whatever. All right, okay. start over. Okay, thanks. Have a good week. You want to say bye? Bye.